Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by NFL Sweet Spot correspondent, Chris Liuzzi, man. How you doing, dude? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back here. Another week of some NFL talk, right? Now, we always say there's always something going on in the NFL, and man, these last 48 hours, that's, that's definitely been even more of the case, right? The Urban Meyer news, I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. has seen it at this point. Urban Meyer is officially out as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it, it was kind of everybody knew it was coming, right? It was just a matter yeah. of when, but no, they fired him, I mean, right around midnight <laughs> yeah. yesterday. I mean, they, they were done, right? So it's officially over the five-year uh, contract, already done. You didn't even make it a full year. Man, dude. <laughs> It was only a matter of time, like we like we mentioned. We all saw this coming. I I'm shocked that he has two wins to even say, you know, to to put on the on the board for this year's team. I mean, like this isn't even about wins and losses, though. Like all the right. things that are piling up against him has been off the field things that you can't have. You don't you can't have these things from a player on your roster, but you're having them from your head coach, and he's supposed to be a leader of men. And it's his first year as an NFL head coach, and he's doing things like being at the bar as a married man, flirting with women, and did not fly back with the team. Like when you do those kind of things as a leader, as a an example for uh, the rest of the team, like your days are numbered. Now, now if he was, you know, eleven and two instead of two and eleven, I'm sure Shah Khan, the owner, would have been a little more, you know, hesitant right. of, of pulling a move like this. But because uh, we know at the end of the day, it's all about wins and losses. But when you're losing and you're you're an embarrassment to the team, then uh, you know your days are really numbered before you ultimately end up leaving the franchise. And you're right, and it and it, it does come down to, to wins and losses. But I mean, a lot of it, and I, I think a good comparison here is actually uh, look at Dan Campbell over with Detroit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they've not been good this year, but. You can tell watching the press conferences, watch them on the field, or like you watch they gave him the game ball after they went. Like the yeah, players love him. They like do. They play hard for him. Yeah. And they've they've gotten close. But you know, it's just been one of those years. But they play hard for him, and that's just not mm-hmm. been the case in Jacksonville. All you keep seeing every single week is this is always something. You mentioned the the bar incident. You have the the most recent one being you know the, the Josh Lambo, the former kicker, alleging that Myers kicked him while he was stretching, mm-hmm. kind of cursing at him. He had the he supposedly called all his assistant coaches losers and yep. was having them defend their resumes. The, the benching James Robinson for Carlos Hyde, who played for Urban Meyer at Ohio uh, State, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just – it took Trevor Lawrence coming in and being like, hey, like, James is our guy. What are you doing? Exactly, <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Play. And not only that, like you said, it's his first year in the NFL. Like, you got to – like, these are grown men. They're getting paid just like you are. They work full-time just like you do. Like, you – there's a difference between being like a hard coach or a strict coach like Belichick, I think. But then there's like, there's crossing that line. And yeah. I think he crossed that, right? Like yeah. it, it, he's not in that. He's not just being hard. If you're thinking that I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, all oh, the players are just babies. No, I mean, you, you can't come in and do all the stuff that he's reportedly been doing. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, you know, like you said, being a disciplinarian and being strict and you can still respect players and still be firm in your approach and how you coach them you know like I don't know the severity of the kicking or if it was you know I think it was more so the names like you you can't call people out their name like like you said we're grown men here like you can't you're not gonna be calling me out my name um and so 
I'm glad that Josh Lambeau came out and 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 addressed it and you know brought it to the forefront. Um, another altercation was the presumed argument and back and forth between he and Marvin Jones that's been yep. in the news recently. Um, it you was just, never hear anything out of Marvin Jones. <laughs> you you, not, you never do. I mean, he's always been you know consummate pro, and here we are. It's one thing on top of another on top of another that Urban Meyer just, he couldn't, he couldn't overcome. And, you know, I made a prediction saying that this dude wouldn't be in the league for, I was like, he'll be in the NFL for two years. I was like, after those two years, he'll be right back in the college game. And, you know, I it's, it's, it's disappointing from a, from a fan standpoint, knowing that head coaches are supposed to be, the responsible party of all responsible parties because we know players are going to do stupid stuff you know we know players are going to be out late and get in some trouble here and there right. but if you if you have anybody on your staff that's going to be to the t in their responsibilities and how they are uh as a professional you expect that from your head coach so when urban right. meyer doesn't provide that and it's his rookie season as a head coach in the league um it was only going to get worse from here. I mean, you you mentioned the James Robinson benching when we know how very good of a back James Robinson is, yeah. but he took Travis Etienne in the first round. That that already yeah. sent the wrong signals <laughs> on what this guy was trying to do, and I don't know why rookie head coaches do that. It reminded me of Chip Kelly when he got to Philly, and you know, is you know Jeremy Macklin's gone, and uh, I think there was the the Le'Veon Bell, not Le'Veon Bell, but the Lashawn McCoy situation there. Like, it's so many things where new head coaches come in and try to impose their will, you know, and try to change the rosters that they do more harm than good, but. uh yeah, Urban Meyer, man, this dude. It, it Jacksonville should be thankful that it happened now, as yeah, opposed yeah, to two years from now. You know what I'm saying? It's it's just crazy to see how quick this happened, right? And because and, we were we've talked about this kind of off the show, but I mean, I, I was in the same boat as you. I wasn't very confident in Urban Meyer being successful in the NFL. I mean, I, give him a shot, sure, but I was I was never very, you know, <laughs> high on him. Obviously, he's coming into like a rough team, I and mean, Jaguars need a lot of work, but. I just to see it flame out this fast and the way mm-hmm. that it has, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just been every single week. I, shout out to any Jaguars fans out there because I just <laughs> I can't fathom the roller coaster of a year that it has been. But like you said, this is this is good. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. this year is it's a lost cause. I mean, it's a rough season for the Jaguars, but in the long run, this is just. I'm glad that for their sake, obviously, as a Colts fan, it's nice <laughs> not having to be very good. But as just a fan of football. Like it's good that they, they went in and just pulled the bandaid off. And they said, all right, yeah, enough's enough. And you know, they'll figure it out. We'll see who they hire. Obviously they, they got, they'll have the off season to kind of figure out what they want to do. But now this, this was necessary. It, it really was. It, mm-hmm. it was, geez, it was just every week. There was just something else. And it was just, like you said, it, it definitely, you expect players to have their slip ups. When it's your head coach this is the guy who's supposed to represent your organization. You know, he's kind of the, the forefront and they paid him a lot of money to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they chose him over some other good candidates. They gave him a five-year deal. And even after the, the bar, you know, scene when he got caught with, you know, that whole scenario, they supported him. They said, no, we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're sticking with him, And, and this is how he's kind of paid him back. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can't blame Khan at all. Like is, you, you just can't let, I don't care what kind of resume he had. It, you could be Nick Saban coming to the NFL and doing stuff like this, and they're not going to let that fly. Like you just, you can't, you can't do that. 
Yeah, like and 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 let us remind people that we're not we're we're not you know uh, immune to making mistakes. We're all human, uh, right. but you can't have mistake on top of mistake on top of mistake in a three four month period. Like this is all in the last three four months, you know. And like, you gotta own it. He blames yeah. everybody else. It seems yeah. like like it's hey. it's never his fault. It? It's Dude. it's tough. <laughs> when you when you have somebody that doesn't want to hold themselves accountable first, uh, you know that's when you know there's a huge issue here because, like you said, this dude's going to deflect blame. It's never my fault. It's always somebody else that didn't do what they're supposed the to. Assistant coach's fault. Yeah. yeah, 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 man. So Urban Meyer, this dude is is gone. He he's he will never coach an NFL as we know ever again. <laughs> um, but I'll say this in closing, man. As we wrap up this segment, you know. When the Jacksonville Jaguars, which are already an embarrassing franchise, when they're embarrassed of having you as a coach, that, that, <laughs> that's an ultimate low, man. You know, that's that's when you know things are really bad because yep. Jacksonville, they've had, you know, good three or four seasons in their existence. Uh, so when they're embarrassed to have you on their staff, then you know it's, it's something serious, man. Uh, and, and you're right. And the only other question I have is, like, Hopefully this doesn't mess up, you know, the growth of Trevor Lawrence. Obviously mm-hmm. this rookie year is not what people thought it would be. You know, he's he's so heralded coming out of college for good reason. But I mean, gosh, what a year, right? What a mm-hmm. year for your first year in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. hey, welcome to the NFL, you know. Yep. Yep. Dude, dude, uh, like I said, you know, I did a show when he first got the job in Jacksonville. I said, two years he's gone. He'll do two years in the NFL and he'll jump right back to college because, you know, you look at it, like I said, two wins, 11 losses, but then these countless immoral actions later, we've arrived to this inevitable result. Like we knew at the end of the year it was going to happen. We didn't know it was going to happen mid-season the way that things transpired. But um, what I'm saying at the end of the day, the bottom line is you look at these college coaches, the high-profile high college coaches that come to the NFL – that flame out in the first year or two, like not even saying six, seven years down the road, like the first year or two, these guys are right back in the college game where they lost their NFL position. And I did some study and looked at some of the names. You got Butch Davis, won national championship Miami, became head coach in Cleveland. He went 24 and 35. Steve Spurrier, we know how great he was at Florida, went to the Washington Redskins at the time, 12 and 20 in two years. Nick Saban, 15 and 17 in two years. Bobby Petrino left the Falcons overnight midseason. He was 3 and 10 in that year. Greg Schiano, 11 and 21. Chip Kelly went 26 and 21. He got the Eagles job. I don't know how he got the Eagles job, but I don't know how on top of that he came back and got the 49ers job. I'm like, this dude, how is he getting another opportunity at this? Like, But like I said, bottom line, leave these high-profile college coaches alone because they're only entering the NFL to kind of scratch that itch. You know, it's like they don't really mm-hmm. – they, they, they've conquered the college game, and they, now they want to test the, the NFL waters. But I'm telling you, in the next two, three years after they get the job, they're going right back to college because they realize the NFL isn't for them. Now, we know this Urban Meyer thing was a little different, but even if none of these off-the-field actions transpired, he would have been gone in two years anyway because, you know, it's easier, a lot easier to, it's a lot easier to control these guys that are 18 and 19 than grown men who are 24 to 32 to 38 that's been in the league yep. for several years and making more money than you are. So at the end of the day – these NFL franchises, from Corey Bradley, here's me, leave top college names alone. 
Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan, or phone 334-671-POOL. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, joined by my guy, Chris Liutzi. Yes, sir. Dude, you know, we talked Urban Meyer first segment. The second segment... As we're approaching the end of the regular season, you know, it's about the time to start talking about some of these hot seat takes where mm-hmm. coaches who are on the edge, man, they're holding on for dear life. This could be their final season with their respective franchises. Uh, starting off with Matt Nagy, man. Talk about Matt Nagy, uh, head coach of the Chicago Bears. He's in his fourth year. Man, talk about Matt Nagy and what you think about his chances of, of staying as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Zero. <laughs> I, I think he. I think he's got the hottest seat in the league right now. I think yeah. it was between him and Urban, honestly, as far as who is going to get canned first. And it's, it's just when it's kind of weird to, to look back, right? Because obviously the the thoughts surrounding Matt Nagy are very negative now. I mean, they haven't. They've looked just rough. He's supposed to be this offensive, creative play caller, you know, mastermind offensively, and they just have not been that at all. But you, it's, it's kind of weird to look back. His first year there, I mean, they were they weren't mm-hmm. that bad. Like mm-hmm. they were solid, and so he kind of gave. I imagine it gave Chicago Bears fans a lot of hope. We're like, all right, here we go. We kind of got our guy, and it's just gotten worse and worse every year. With obviously this year being the the worst so far, and that, and I get that they've never really had a. Mm-hmm. I guess you can argue that QB the, the QB flux mm-hmm. that they've had, right? And I, and I, I think that matters. And you, I think there's enough evidence out there that you do need a, a quarterback, but it's just sometimes it just isn't working, you know. <laughs> and yeah. They've had a few different quarterbacks, and even Andy Dalton, who I actually like, I think I think you can. He's definitely worse than Andy. I, mean, I think there's definitely better than Andy Dalton, but he's not that bad. But I mean, he he hasn't been any good for them either. I mean that mm-hmm. that offense has just been. They've been in a really rough spot, and when you come in with your reputation, kind of as something like if you're an offensive genius or you you're known for your play calling like it would have been if cliff kingsbury came in with you know arizona and their offense was terrible right like that he would have gotten kicked to the curb you know yeah. really quick too like yeah. if, when you have your calling card like you you better have that backed up yeah because yeah. the nfl moves quick man they're ready to move on if, if, if you're not getting results it's you know just the way it is fans are going to get irritated you how 
we keep reading every week about the fire naggy chance like bears fans are ready to, to move on and i i gotta think the front office excuse me the front office probably is too i think he's done after this year yeah for sure he's uh he's not gonna make it through uh you know you hit everything on the head you know talking about you know, if, if there's anything that's in his favor is the poor QB play, as you mentioned. I mean, Mitchell Drubisky, we know, like, he's not that guy. That's why he's no longer the guy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Foles, you know, Andy Dalton this year. Justin Fields having a – Justin Fields should not be playing his rookie year. Like, that's that's what they kind of came in with that plan. But then they they reneged on that, and now he's playing when he shouldn't be. Um, so Matt Nagy has really been dealt a horrible hand, honestly – by having to go with Trubisky and Fields and all this. Uh, but like you said, you don't see the creative side of things from an offensive play caller. Like when, when you're a head coach, you got the head coach position because of your specialty, whether it's offense or defense. If you're an offensive guy, we should see the creativity and the progression on the offensive side of the ball. If you're a defensive guy, you should we should see that on the defensive side of the ball. Like you shouldn't be hired as a defensive head coach, defensive-minded guy, and your defense is worse than what it was before you arrived, you know. So, uh, yeah, Matt Nagy, zero chance that he returns. 32-29 and 20, 29 at this point as we record 0-2 in the playoffs, but this for sure will be his final season in Chicago. Next up, man, Vic Fangio, man. Vic Fangio, this dude is in his third season as a head coach of the Denver yeah. Broncos. Uh, he has not made the playoffs as of yet. Um, and I, as somebody I liked a lot when he was a defensive coordinator in San Francisco, yeah, uh, and he was very good as a defensive coordinator with the Bears as well. But here in Denver, man, he's running out of opportunities, running out of chances. And what do you think about Fangio? Do you think I, he has one more season left? I think he has a better chance than Nagy does of having another season. With that said, I would lean, like if I were to put like a percentage on it, like a 70, 30, 80, 20 even. I, I think it's much more likely that he's gone. Then he stays, mm-hmm. but but he I could see him given a year, but it's it's kind of similar deal to Matt Nagy, right? Like he's like you just mentioned, he was a fantastic defensive coordinator, pretty much everywhere he's been, he's been mm-hmm. well known as for his defensive prowess, right? And with Denver, who we've known for at least the past couple of years, and the defense that they've had, you know, when they had a Super Bowl run and stuff, they've always had like a dominant defense, and they just have not really been that <laughs> with him there, you know, this supposed defensive mastermind. I mean, they were solid the last two years, but they weren't elite, right? And yeah. they kind of fell off from what they were, and then this year, I mean, they're just, they're not good this year. That de- and that defense in particular is not good this year. Maybe a playoff run, because with the AFC so wide open, you never know, maybe they can squeeze in there, and hey, if they win a wild card or something, maybe that kind of saves it, but I, I think he'll be gone after this year, too, just for similar reasons, just on the other side of the ball as, as Nagy's. Mm-hmm. you, you got to produce results, and he hasn't done that, particularly on the defensive side. Man, I'll tell you, I was watching the uh, Broncos Chiefs last Sunday night. Uh, was it last Sunday night? They were playing each other on Sunday night football. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, I tell you, he had a he had a – a soundbite after the game that really disturbed me. And and I think when head coaches think like this, they put themselves in a bigger hole than they realize. But, you know, in the game, they kept going for it on fourth down when they had chances just to just get the points, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I remember specifically, it was second quarter, they're down 10-3. They had a 20-play drive that ended in nothing. Like, it ended 
inside the 10 and they got nothing out of it because they went for it on like fourth and two like it's 10 to three in a second quarter just just get the points you know i know yeah. people look at okay it's kansas city you're not going to beat the chiefs uh by field goals but you you can't go into the game saying saying that or thinking that once you get into the game you just got got to go with the flow of the game the momentum of the game okay it's 10 to three in the second quarter let's just get these points like you had a 20 play drive end with zero points and it's not and and you had you got a great kicker. Brandon McManus is an excellent kicker, yeah. and you're inside the ten. Like I know as much as you want to just you want to get a touchdown when you had such a long drive, you want to be able to capitalize. But you got to just take the points in that situation. And then same thing is fourth quarter is sixteen to three, which at worst should have been sixteen to six. It's fourth and two at the Kansas City twenty seven, which would be a forty four yard kick for McManus. Bridgewater, they go for it. Bridgewater throws a pick six, and that really did the game in. But that's mm-hmm. a field goal opportunity that would make it 16-9. to nine. It's the fourth quarter. It's a ball game. You know, your defense has done everything they can to keep you in it. And so uh, when you think like that, I feel like head coaches are a little bit over the head. So Vic Fangio, I think this will be it for him as well. Uh, John Elway, no, he has to move on and, and find that next guy to get the ship right. And we know John Elway's trying to find somebody quick, too. I mean, we – Seen that's kind of how he mm-hmm. how he rolls. You know, he's not going to stop till he <laughs> gets someone in there. He comes in and wins like immediately. So, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, Fangio, it's a wrap for him in Denver. Joe Judge, Joe Judge in his second season, um, ten and nineteen so far. I feel like there's more more on him because he's a New York team, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a New York based team. The media is a little more insane there. But uh, to me, man, I feel like he's being dealt a raw hand just because I agree. the injuries. Like, they've had more injuries than and them and the Niners. Like, I feel like in the Ravens this year. But, man, the injuries with the Giants team on the offensive side of the ball, Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard finally back, Galladay's been in and out, Barkley's been in and out, as we've talked in previous episodes. Uh, Kadarius Tony first-round first round pick has been in and out. I mean, Joe Judge has been dealt a raw hand. Like, I don't feel I don't like even know he's, if we've seen that offense fully healthy this we season. We don't have a clue, <laughs> right? We don't have a clue. Look, I, I saw a stat the other day. I believe that the Giants haven't – they haven't had a touchdown from a running back or receiver since week seven. Jeez. That's insane, dude. Yeah, it is insane. <laughs> so, what's your, what's your thoughts on Joe Judge, man, and his chances of staying in New York for another year? I actually uh, really agree with you. I think – I think, well, to answer the question, first of all, I do think he will be gone this year, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily sure that it's deserved. I, I agree with you that he, that's a really rough hand over there. You you mentioned all the injuries, but even even if healthy, I don't love all of the, the personnel. Like, I, I'm still not sure about Daniel Jones, you know, and mm-hmm. he's, I don't know, but may, maybe he, he turns it around, but he's still not, I'm, I'm still not sure that he's the guy yet, but I mean, it. They've got work that they got to do anyway. I, I know that they had fired Jason Garrett because of you know the offense struggling, but as you mentioned, they've had so many injuries and stuff. I don't know how they were going to work anyway. Mm-hmm. But the reason why the main reason why I think that he's going to be gone is I think he was Dave Gettleman's their GM, his, yeah. his kind of last shot to to hold his job, and it's still not worked out. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that Dave Gettleman's going to be gone after this year. And oh yeah, he's with done. The new yeah. GM with, with yeah. the new GM, right? You assume that. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes a new GM will come in and maybe give, uh, maybe they give Judge one more year to see what yeah. happens, and 
that way the new GM too can take the pressure off himself if we're mm-hmm. bad. Oh, it's because mm-hmm. of Judge, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe he's a fall guy for one more year, but that's about all I'm going to give him. If he's not fired for this season, I think it'll be the next season, whether it's really his fault or not. You know, yes, yeah. they've struggled, but I, I think a lot of coaches would have struggled. Really, I, I don't know how much of it is on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Judge will be back for another year, uh, and I like that your logic. Gettleman's gone. Gettleman is not a good GM. He'll be gone. New GM comes in, like you said. Give him a year to kind of buy time, see what the landscape is like from yeah. a coaching perspective and on the roster. Uh, so I think Joe Judge will be able to buy another year in New York, and uh, we'll see what happens this time next year. But Joe Judge, I believe he'll be back for another year with the Giants for sure. Just to be the fall guy. <laughs> Just to be the fall guy, unfortunately. And so he better turn it around. He better turn it around and make the playoffs next year if he want to have a chance to stay uh, and hopefully get some of those guys healthy. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, they they got to get healthy. So Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, Minnesota Vikings, man. This is his eighth season, and he's had some ups. He's had some downs, two and three in the playoffs. 70-54 in one record overall. What do you think about Mike Zimmer, man? He's the most interesting guy in, as far mm-hmm. as these hot seat discussions, I think, for me. And it's the, the way I look at it is you don't want to be the team. I, I kind of compare him to uh, Jim Caldwell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Jim Caldwell got fired out of Detroit for not reaching the level that they wanted to get to. Right, They weren't making Super Bowls or nothing, but they were they were solid. They were a good team. But that wasn't enough. They wanted more, which which is fair, right? But the the concern is when you you move on, like in their case, you moved on from Caldwell, and you end up just worse <laughs> than you were off, right? I guess is, mm-hmm. is it better to, to be a solid team every year, or is it better to you know kind of shoot for the stars and hope you land that kind of dream head coach hire? And that, that's my concern here. I think Zimmer's a, a solid coach. Yeah, I, I definitely think their defenses have not been up to par with what you expect. Uh, a Zimmer-led defense to be, especially with the personnel they've got there. At least these last couple of years, I know they've had some good defenses, but these last few years, you know, I've, I think we've even said it on this show that every year I think the Vikings are going to be better than they are, and they just mm-hmm, haven't mm-hmm. been. And a lot of times you, you kind of look at the head coach in that position. But yeah, is is that, I guess I'll, to ask you, are you okay with just kind of being like a solid maybe 10-win team every year? You know, with the way the NFC is, I mean, they might be able to, to still squeeze in, you know, but is is that enough? Or if you're say you're a Vikings fan, are you are you trying to shoot for more? Are you wanting like a you want to be a perennial contender? Or are you willing to risk being maybe not as bad as the Urban Meyer situation with the Jags this year? But you, are you, do you want to risk kind of getting back into the, the head coach searching waters and potentially just being worse than you are now? I'll say it like this: My cousin Jeremy always said this: If you fire a head coach, you better have that guy next in line ready to go. Like you better know for sure without a doubt. This is the guy we want. This is the guy we can get. So if you fire Mike Zimmer, Rick uh, Rick Spielman, the GM, better have his guy that he knows is going to come in and that, first of all, that he can hire him, that he can woo him away yeah. from wherever he's at, and that he's the right guy to get him to that next level. Because I like Mike Zimmer as well. He's a very fine coach. They've had some injuries this year, especially on that defensive side of the ball. But like you said, it hasn't been the same over the last few years and what we expect. But my my question more so for Zimmer is their close losses. All seven of their losses have been by eight points or fewer. So you gave the analogy to Jim Caldwell. Well, I got another comparison for Zimmer, and that's to Anthony Lynn. You look at Anthony Lynn's mm-hmm. yeah, final season in his four-year tenure, his final season, he, 
in that year, seven of the Chargers' losses, seven of them that season came by one possession. Three of them by three points or less. And we know how tight the NFL is. Like, you got to win those close games. Like, there's a lot of close games, but you can't be losing all of them. Like Anthony right. Lynn did that year, and the way that they were losing them, Mike Zimmer, they've lost a lot of those games in a very similar fashion. And it doesn't hurt or it doesn't help that the Lions' long win came against them as, as well in the coverage that was played on that final possession. Um, yeah, Mike Zimmer, he's – He's he's in, in 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 muddy waters, man. I'm not sure if he'll be able to finish this year. Uh, if they don't, do you think he's gone? If they don't make the playoffs, yes, yes. If they don't make the playoffs, Spielman will make the move. If they make it somehow, some way, he'll it'll bomb another year for sure. I, I think I agree with you there, and I, I guess just to, the Vikings fan, the grass is always greener, right? And so mm-hmm. hopefully they do have, like you said, hopefully they have that guy lined up who that might be you never know I mean, it feels like every year there's a hire that we're like who's that you know i mean like joe judd's last year nobody expected him to be a head coaching hire so i mean maybe they find an improvement but yeah, i don't know i'd be a little bit worried i'm like you i like zimmer and that are there better guys out there probably but mm-hmm. can they get can they find them and make the right hire i, I don't know yeah. <laughs> i just don't know now i mean as we close this segment we've got about a minute and a half left uh you have any surprise hot seat takes that we haven't mentioned or that people may not be thinking about? I do. Uh, the, the one guy that comes to mind for me is Pete Carroll, which mm. sounds crazy because you attach Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. They've been doing their That's thing good. for so long, he's, and he's had a lot of success with Seattle, and I know that. But they have just – I think they're living a lot by, by the name. They have not been good the last few years, at least not what you would expect them to be. They haven't had a playoff win in years, right? And this is mm-hmm. with having not just a good quarterback, an elite, one of the best quarterbacks in the league – Right, and they ha- still have not been able to get it done. Um, they've made some, which you can kind of put on the GM, I guess. But I, you know, Pete Carroll's involved. They've made some questionable trades. You know, we've mentioned the Jamal Adams one, and I don't, I don't love what their front office has done. Nope. So I mean, it, you could, you could argue it's kind of put him in a rough spot. But I mean, I, I think I, I kind of like the Vikings, assuming they missed the playoffs this year, and with all the discourse that we've had the past two off seasons between. Russell Wilson and him in that front office, supposed mm-hmm. discourse anyway. We, he's not been as open as Aaron Rodgers has, but we read every offseason just about about there being some issue. I I wouldn't be surprised. I'll put it this way. I, I think he'll still be there, but like it wouldn't shock me if they were to move on from him to try and appease Wilson. Like if it took that to keep Wilson happy, to try and, you know, let let Russell cook, you know, get a new guy because mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. their philosophies kind of clash. I wouldn't yep. be shocked. That's all I'm saying. Man, dude, that's one. Uh, that's a very interesting take for sure here on the sweet spot, man. Because, like you said, it's been a lot of back and forth between the two parties. Wilson in the front office, Pete Carroll wants to run the ball. He's a run first guy. You know, Russell Wilson is an aired out guy. Let him let him be Russ. You know, so, yep. uh, man, as we wrap up, give me your percentages on Carroll's chances of coming back. <laughs> I I guess I'll I'll stay. I'll say seventy mm. that he that he stays. I I, yeah. I do think he'll still be there, but I'm just saying like watch out is all. Like keep an eye. Don't be completely surprised if it happens. Is all I'm saying. You heard it there from Chris Liusi. Seventy percent chance that this dude Pete Carroll will indeed still be the head coach next year for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, when Chris and I return for the final segment, we'll talk a little fantasy as we always do to close out each episode. We're gonna give our surprise picks for each other 
each other's draft recap and see uh, what was one pick that we kind of questioned about but ended up working out well for the both of us. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. As we close with our fantasy segment, Chris will share one of my draft picks that he was a little more reserved about but ended up working up for me and my team this season. I will, on the flip side, do the same thing. One of his picks that I had a few question marks next to when we finished our draft back in September. Chris, man, I'm going to let you kick it off, man. Uh, What was one of my picks that you were a little concerned about when I made that selection? All right, let me poke some holes here. No, you you know, I respect your your decision-making, your your draft frame. But one of the picks that did concern me was uh, Melvin Gordon. You took Melvin Gordon in the background, and I have been very wrong about. And my main concern, uh, I've told you my reservations when you you start getting into running back by committees, which is what him and and Devontae Williams have had. But my concern was that Devontae Williams, you know, they took him in the second round, early second round for that matter, was that he was going to be the guy Mm -hmm. at some point during the season and take over. And that hasn't happened. They've both been fantastic. And they've both, if you have either of them, they've both been very, you know, startable in fantasy. And so that's just, to be frank, I was wrong. I I thought it would be Devontae's show. And I'm sure it will be next year. I don't know that they'll keep Melvin. But for this season, they've both been great. And that ended up being a great pick, especially in the ninth round. So, hey, props for that, man. I, I was wrong there for sure. Dude, uh, Melvin Gordon, like, he was clutch for me last year on my team. And so, you know, you, you remember those guys who came through in the clutch for you in the previous season. Yeah. And so he was a guy that I targeted in, in both of my fantasy leagues and drafted them, bo- drafted them both in both leagues. And so, um, you know, like, obviously I was concerned with that. Jav- I love Javante Williams. Dude's a baller. Now, yeah. I felt Gordon would get the opportunity, which he has, But then on the flip side, I was thinking of last year when I took Mark Ingram, how J.K. Dobbins, another second-round pick, ended up being the guy moving forward, and Ingram was kind of uh, lost in in that running back room. So, yeah, Melvin Gordon, man, I love that dude. I got a chance to watch him play in the Outback Bowl for the Wisconsin Badgers against my Auburn Tigers. Uh, Dude's an absolute stud. But, yeah, this is his final year 
in Denver as he's a free agent. So uh, whoever does get him as a uh, possible starter next year will definitely be in good hands. So uh, Melvin Gordon, yeah, I'm glad that I made that selection. Glad that I had him on my team, and uh, I did yeah, trade him. I wouldn't have done it. I respect. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did trade him to my brother for Jarvis Landry. I needed some receiver help, but I think it's been a a, a, a deal that's worked out for both of us. Now on your team, man. First of all, I'm gonna say this: your philosophy, like you took the Jaguars' defense in the 15th round, and seeing your philosophy it's more about your strategy how you drop defenses each week based on the matchup and i'm like man i'm the type i'm a, first of all i draft two defenses i get two defenses mm-hmm. that's, that i really like i have the niners and the patriots in one league the other league i have the steelers and patriots and so for you the way that you pick up a defense drop them next week let's find the best matchups that's worked out for you and i was bragging to my cousin jeremy back home thanksgiving i was like man chris is He's, he's super smart when it comes to this fantasy theme, man. He has a strategy that works for him, and that's one that I was really shocked about, man. So, um, man, talk about that strategy for a second with not drafting a high-profile defense but kind of playing it week to week. Yeah, I am um, I, I like playing the matchups. One of the big reasons I like playing the matchups, though, rather than drafting elite defense, is to get one of the elite def- defenses you're typically drafting them uh, earlier than the second-to-last round, like a uh, like we had the Rams go in the 12th round in ours, for example. Usually they'll go in that kind of early 10 to 13 round. And I, to be frank, I'd just rather get take a shot at a bench player. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of where I'd, it's where I live. I'm shooting for the backups or the number two receivers I might shoot out. Or even this year, I got Michael Pittman in the 11th. Like I'm looking mm-hmm. for guys like that more than I am looking yeah. for defenses. Yeah, I'm, that's I'm just always looking for upside. And obviously the the downside is that downside of that is I, I'm not running the Steelers or the you know, the Rams or the Niners every week. I, I'm having to kind of play matchups, but I'm usually pretty confident in being able to, not saying it's going to work out every time, but at least trying to find a matchup that I think could work out. And so that's just kind of where I lie. I, I, and I'm going to do that every time I ever play any league. I'm, I'm always going to take a defense second to last. I, I'm just priorities, I suppose. I, I I will always take a shot on a Rondell Moore that might not work out, but you never know over, you know, a defense. And that's just kind of where I stand. Man, dude, I can't argue with it. The results that you uh, have displayed this last two years have definitely warranted that uh, that's an interesting strategy. And that's the key, guys. When you have a fantasy football team, find a strategy that works for you. Everybody may not have the same strategy. And there's strategy. a bunch of them out there. <laughs> there's a bunch of them. Just find the one that works for you and be at peace with that. Don't try to duplicate somebody else's because you saw work for them. You may not understand their logic. So, uh, yeah, my man Chris Liuzzi. This dude, we we're currently in a three-way tie for that. Uh, you know, for, at the top of that that, that standings, so you and Hunter got the first two by. Uh, so, so I'm playing this week. So uh, that was Corey Davis too. That's somebody you drafted in the eighth round that I didn't want to touch. That yeah. you beat me in the first week by six points because he had his best game of this NFL season, two touchdowns, and uh, <laughs> you took him in the eighth round. That's somebody else as we close. You took him in the eighth round. I was not going to touch any Jets receiver because I didn't know if it's going to be Corey Davis or Keelan Cole or Elijah Moore or Denzel Mims. I didn't know where to go because mm-hmm. all four of the receivers are solid. But you got Corey Davis, and uh, even though he hadn't had the season that you would you would hope or you expected, he definitely got me in that first round that made a huge difference that led to that three-way tie in our uh, standings in our league, man. Yep, shout out Corey Davis. Corey Davis. <laughs> Hey, Corey Davis trying to mess up with Corey Bradley, but it's all good. It's all good. (laughs) 
Chris, man, appreciate you always, dude. Uh, guys, always listen to this guy, Chris Liuzzi. I'm telling you, look, if anybody knows the NFL, it's him. So when you tune in, you are going to learn something that you didn't know prior to this episode. Chris, I appreciate you always, man. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate the kind words. And as always, it's fun to come and talk some more NFL. It wasn't the most happiest news with the with the urban stuff, at least not to urban, but everybody else, you know, a Jaguars fans probably celebrating. So no, it's always fun to come come talk with you. You got to, you know, break down some of the, the coaching stuff. Now we get to look ahead to it's almost playoff time, man. It is almost that time, and I'm excited. It's going to be a fun time. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the Sweet Spot.